3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things movies. I'm your host, Movie Mike, and today I am ranking all 24 Pixar movies according to me. I just watched the 24th movie, which came out on Disney Plus over the weekend. I have the ultimate list. I've seen every single one, and I'll tell you single-handedly which one is the best and which one is the worst. And then I'll even break down my full review of Luca. I have another review of Fatherhood, which is out on Netflix with Kevin Hart. A lot to talk about this week. Appreciate you guys for hitting that play button, being subscribed to the podcast. Without any further ado... Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears
0: of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's
4: Movie Podcast. I am a huge Pixar fan. I think of any movie studio aside from marvel it's the only one that i've watched every single movie they've put out because they don't really put out a bad movie except for one once i get to this list but if you're kind of wondering what's the difference between disney and pixar i'll tell you pretty much simply Well, back in 2006, Disney bought Pixar. But before that, Pixar was its own animation studio, which was heavily into computer animation before anybody else. Toy Story, the very first one, they were the first ones to do it and really the pioneers with that. When it comes to overall subject matter, I feel like Pixar movies are more the movies that make you feel. They're the movies now that we kind of see as kids' movies that adults also enjoy. And Disney has been just around forever. And when you kind of differentiate the two, Disney sometimes would, you know, bring to life fairy tales. that were stories that already existed. And they were more about, you know, heroes and princesses. That's kind of Disney's lane. And Pixar comes in kind of humanizing animation and giving them real-life problems. And a lot of the things they encounter are things that we also encounter in our lives. And there's not necessarily a villain all the time. I'd say it's more just real-life situations that make us feel and kind of giving human elements to things you wouldn't really that would have human elements like your emotions have emotions or toys have emotions it's giving emotions to things the things that pull at our heartstrings is kind of how pixar is differentiated and also when it comes to the music a lot of the times the disney movies are a lot more musical. they'll just burst out into songs randomly it's a lot less frequent in pixar movies when really it's more so kind of the basis of a pixar movie where music is important to them but they're not always musicals Although since Disney did buy Pixar back in 2006, every Pixar movie now that comes out is technically a Disney movie, but they still kind of differentiate the two with the animation studio. So all that to say, I have the list of all 24 Pixar movies that have come out. And if one movie doesn't make the list for some reason, it's probably because it's just a Disney movie. So let's start at the very bottom. And I said, I think Pixar has only made one bad movie ever and it came out in 2015 called The Good Dinosaur. You probably forgot this movie. It was actually the first box office bomb that Pixar ever had. It's the only time they put out a movie that didn't live up to the expectations and it's a very forgettable movie. I myself kind of forgot about this movie even though it wasn't that long ago. There was a lot of problems with production. They changed cast member voices in this. so Overall, they didn't really get it right here. And I would say out of all the movies, it deserves a very bottom slot because it's not that great of a movie. So that one makes number 24. And all the rest of the movies I have put in the bottom seven, I would say they're all good. Just not great and not amazing. So coming in at number 23 is Monsters University. I just felt it was very delayed from Monsters, Inc. And when I think most people wanted a part two, they gave us this Monsters University. I don't think it was as well received. Not a terrible movie, just good. And that's another thing that's different about Pixar is they will come out with sequels. You don't see a whole lot of sequels of Disney movies aside from Frozen 2. Very early in the day, they would kind of just make those the straight to VHS or straight to DVD kind of movies. But Pixar goes all out and they'll give you multiple sequels. And speaking of sequels, I kind of grouped these two together because I felt a little bit they're a little forgettable, and I'm not even a fan of really the first one in this series, but I put at 22 Cars 3, which came out in 2017, and then at 21 I put Cars 2, which came out in 2011. I feel like all the Cars movies are basically the exact same kind of movie, but also a little bit for me is kind of when I checked out of Pixars when the first Cars movie came out. I just was never that interested in them and I didn't really like the idea of just cars coming to life. I felt like they could have been more creative with that. So I put those at 21 and 22 respectively. At number two, I went with Onward which came out last year and actually the very last movie I saw in theaters. I think I was expecting a lot more from this movie while it had that kind of magic the gathering mystical quest type of vibe i just think overall the story wasn't as emotional as i was looking for i didn't really love the characters in this even though i thought tom holland and chris pratt were a great pairing they just didn't really get it to that next level so it kind of fit in this bottom seven so i went with onward at 20 and number 19 i went with toy story 4 which came out back in 2019 the reason i put this one so low is because i don't think this movie needed to be made It kind of felt a little bit tacked on to the Toy Story franchise. They don't really develop anything that makes you want to know more about Toy Story in this one. It was really just that now as an adult, I was able to go watch a Toy Story movie in theaters and experience that again. But man, they should have just left it a trilogy. I think the only thing that was cool to see in Toy Story 4 is how advanced They were able to get the animation with Woody and with Buzz Lightyear. They were able to take it up such a high level from the very first original. So to be able to see the comparison between Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 4 was pretty cool. Other than that, didn't really need to see that movie. Rounding out the bottom 7, at number 18 is Brave from 2012. I just also felt like this was a little bit of a forgettable Pixar movie. What I did like is it was one of the very first times that... Pixar movies and really just animated movies in general started to not just make the lead a guy I think Disney did it first with the Frozen movies and now with Brave they kind of were like okay we don't really just need every female lead to be a princess they can do other things they can be heroic as well so on that front I thought this was a really great direction for Pixar overall the movie just wasn't one of my favorites so I put that one at number 18 rounding out the bottom seven Let's get into now the middle seven, so number 17 through 11, which I feel all of these are great. Like, without a doubt, these movies can all stand on their own. I don't think they're all-out classics. I just think these perfectly embody what Pixar movies are when it comes to animation and story and overall... I just don't think these have the longevity that the top 10 will have. So, at number 17, I put Incredibles 2, which came out in 2018. Again, I felt a little bit like Pixar was doing the thing where they're like, okay, all the kids who watch this movie are now adults and we're going to kind of reintroduce this again. I wanted this one, like, maybe two years after the original came out because... I feel like that's when this movie needed to be made. But overall, it was a solid addition into The Incredible Story, but I just couldn't rank it any higher. Kind of along those same lines, at number 16, I went with Finding Dory, which came out in 2016, which was... Almost an equally entertaining adventure as Finding Nemo. It was just a lot more Dory than I was wanting. And there was nothing super different between Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. That I don't think when you go back and watch one of those movies, you're going to pick Finding Dory ever over Finding Nemo. So I put that one at number 16 at number 15 you gotta go with cars that came out in 2006 i felt like cars really kind of cemented pixar's name in the game in the mid 2000s this is a movie that it did super well and i felt like without this movie having this hit on their hands they weren't going to be able to take that next step of like utter dominance when it comes to animation i think this one really just set them apart from everybody else and they were like all right we're pixar we've been here Over 10 years now, I think we're here to stay, and I think Cars did that for them. Personally, not one of my favorite Pixar movies and one that I really don't go back and watch a whole lot. I think aside from the first time I watched any of the Cars movies was the last time I watched any of the Cars movies. But for what this one did for them as an animation studio, gotta give them credit there at number 15. May get a little controversial here on number 14, but I'm going with Soul. Everybody last year was saying this was the best Pixar movie ever, and I had to disagree. It's not even top 10. Realistically, when you put this one up with all the other Pixar movies, this is exactly where it should land. It was a great movie for last year, but when it comes to ranking them with all the Pixar movies, I don't really think it stands a chance. And the reason why is because I think Soul was a little bit more... I would say pretentious of Pixar to put out because I love Pixar movies that are made for kids and that sometimes adults also enjoy. I really felt like they made this one for adults. The kind of concept in this one was so playing to adults and some of the key elements. I don't even think kids really got from this movie. So when you take that away they're kind of relying more on the visuals and the characters, and I think even those don't really lend themselves to kids to wanna watch. I don't really see any kids running to the store to get a Soul plush toy or anything like that. I thought the story was great, but when it comes to Pixar movies, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for, even though I would still say it was one of my favorite movies of last year and such a weird year to have, you know, movies kind of be all over the place. So it was great at the time that we needed it. It came out free on Disney Plus, but I just think when you're ranking all these movies, it would be a disservice to you guys to rank this movie any higher than it needs to be. So Soul goes at number 14. At number 13, I'll get into my full review later, but I will with Luca. It just came out on Disney+. Plus. I watched it and enjoyed it and will tell you exactly why I think this embodies everything that a new Pixar film should be. So I'll leave it at that for now, get to my full review later and tell you about that movie and why you should go watch it. So that's number thirteen and number twelve. I was Inside Out, which came out in 2015, the movie where they gave your emotions emotions, which sounds a little bit like Pixar jumping the shark, but it worked. This one had memorable characters. It had an overall relatable plot. Even had a few sad moments in there. I think this one really had it all. And visually, I remember watching this one and being really blown away of the world they were able to create inside of Riley in this i really enjoyed this one i don't think it got me fully on the verge of tears but i could see where it could get you a little bit so number 12 going with inside out and then rounding out the middle seven again these were all great movies but the top 10 are going to be without a doubt the pixar classics so just missing out on that at number 11 is monsters inc from 2001 i think it's a great movie But I think it's one and everything below this list. If they were to go away, Pixar would be just fine with their top 10. I don't really think you need the Monsters, Inc. movies if you're taking everything else away. I think you would be fine. I don't think you would miss them a whole lot. They're great for what they are. also have some of the most iconic and just memorable Pixar characters. But if you were going to lose one of the classics, I think it would be Monsters, Inc. It just misses out on the top 10. So... I'm going to take a quick break right now. Coming up, we'll do the final top 10 Pixar movies of all time, according to me. I'm Elia Connie,
0: and this is Family Therapy.
1: In my best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
0: I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of.
4: All right, back here at number 10 from 2008, Going With Wally. This movie changed me a lot because I think at the time it came out, it was so different for Pixar, and it really kind of resonated with kids, but I think probably the first one that had an overlying message that resonated with adults more. And I think Wally is a great character. It's a heartwarming story, and maybe sometimes I just felt like I related to Wally a lot. It also had like the sci fi futuristic element, which I loved. And I think just the world they created in Wally was just so memorable. And I think it was beloved among critics and among, you know, just us watching that movie. So I had to put that one in the All Out Classics at number 10. At number 9 from 2004, we're going with The Incredibles. The best animated superhero family in all of Disney and Pixar. And they were really kind of early on the whole superhero trend. And they were able to make it a family movie. And it really is overall just the perfect movie. You can't really touch the first Incredibles. And for really a superhero movie not being such a novel or new concept, they were able to make it in a way that I was like, okay, this is amazing and I want to see more. And it was a long time before we got the Incredibles too, But I think without a doubt, this one is a classic. So that one's at number nine at number eight gotta put a bug's life from 1998 this was an earlier on one but i think this was one that really resonated with me as a kid of kind of identifying with someone who was completely different and kind of had off the wall kind of ideas that other people kind of shook their heads at and it's also just a full-on kids movie i also like that the story itself got a little bit dark in there with the grasshoppers wanting to kill the ants It was a little bit darker of a tone than you were used to seeing in an animated movie. There was very kind of dark parts in the movie where you're like, oh, man, is he about to kill this? ant? like, what's happening here? But I think overall, it's still just a movie that was made for kids to learn about sticking up for yourself and not letting people take advantage of you. So that's why I think I've loved A Bug's Life over the years. And if you go watch it on Disney Plus now, they have digitally restored it and it looks more amazing than it ever was. So I went with that one at number eight. At number seven, going with Ratatouille from 2007, I think kind of riding off the heels of the car success, they were able to make Ratatouille and put this one out, and people like it. Like, you think about the concept of this one, it's a mouse that's an amazing cook and uses a human to make these amazing meals. Doesn't seem as grand of a concept as like racing cars, but just a year after to follow it up with such a, I I feel like kind of a quiet hit. Like, Ratatouille is such a good movie. I feel it's one that gets overlooked just a little bit, so I wanted to give it its spot here. From start to finish, it is undeniably a classic, so number seven goes to Ratatouille. And then at number six from 1999, the follow-up to Toy Story, I went with Toy Story 2. And I think why I put this one further down at number six is because it was hard to live up to the original Toy Story, but I think they did a really great job with this one. It just focuses a lot more on the story of Woody, his kind of origin story and how he wants to go and be kind of a star again, which I think I kind of had a problem with watching this one again as an adult, because you could kind of watch this movie and feel a little bit like you don't like Woody at times. Which sounds weird to me to have a beef with an animated cartoon character cowboy doll. But he was kind of like, oh man, it's not all about me anymore. I could go back and have that life again. And while it's a great movie, I just feel like it's not better than the other Toy Stories which rank higher for me. So I feel comfortable putting that one at number 6. Into the top 5 now, the all out best of the best Pixar movies. And at number 5, I went with Up from 2009. Visually, I think the best Pixar movie... From the animation to just the balloons, to Russell and Carl, who are such an unlikely duo. All the things about this movie you don't think would work together, but it's just so kind of off the wall and out there that I think it's great. The story is amazing. I don't think the intro to this movie is as emotional and sad as other people have said, but I respect that. And it's one of the only Pixar movies that I've seen multiple times in theaters, so I had to put this one at number five as one of my favorites. Following up that with number four, I went with Coco from 2017. I think this one really kind of blended music and animation and a great story together that hadn't been done in a while. And not only that, I think this is when Pixar also, you know, just kind of started to become more diverse. As a Mexican-American myself, I thought it was really cool to see that represented and have a Pixar character, you know, speaking Spanish. But unlike Up, this is one that actually got me emotional when, if you haven't seen it, well, it gets emotional. And if you're needing to cry, I would say go watch Coco. At number three from 2010, I put Toy Story 3. I just thought it was the ultimate ending what should have been a trilogy. Everything about this movie, the perfect follow-up from part two, where I think, Toy Story 2 kind of went in a different direction, telling a whole different story. I felt like Part 3 was the continuation of Part 1, bringing Andy back into play, bringing his mom, sister, and even the dog back into play, and also at a time where all the people who watched the original Toy Story as kids were now adults and kind of experiencing this with Andy. Everything about this was just perfect timing, it came out at the right time. I thought Lotso was a great introduction as a villain. Like a lot of these Toy Stories really haven't had a villain aside from, you know, Sid and the dog. They also brought a lot more humor into this one. All the original voices were back. And of course, the emotional ending, which I don't remember completely crying at, but I definitely had a tear in my eye. So at number three, perfectly fitting, it went with Toy Story 3. And at number two from 2003, I went with Finding Nemo, one of the biggest adventures in all of Pixar A movie that I've seen time after time after time again and don't get tired of it. The only hard part about Finding Nemo for me now is I saw this TikTok the other day. And it's that kids now look at Finding Nemo, which came out in 2003. So if this movie came out now, it would be like an 80s movie then. So we look now to Finding Nemo in 2021 As somebody in 2003 looked at a movie like Back to the Future. Which I just thought was kind of weird to me. Because I still think that all these movies like Finding Nemo came out 10 years ago. When realistically it's almost 20 years ago. So sorry if you're listening. I didn't mean to make you feel old. But that is the realization of Finding Nemo. But all that aside. It's a great movie. One of the best. But not the best overall. Because at number one I had to go with the OG. The very first Pixar movie from 1995. The first one to use the animated computer technology. The one that started it all, the original Toy Story. Not only the perfect Pixar movie, but maybe one of the most perfect movies to ever come out. From start to finish. From minute one to minute 90, it is really just an all-out classic. There's nothing wrong about this movie. It's created not one, not two, not three, but multiple iconic characters that we all wanted to go to walmart immediately and get a toy of you have the best voices with tom hanks and tim allen and you know countless others who have joined the toy story cast but really in this very first one is when they got it completely right and a movie that really took forever to make like i've seen that tom hanks was reading woody lines back in the early 90s and it was really the first pixar movie that kind of set the bar for how advanced and how much detail they were going to put into all their animation which is why they stand apart which is why their movies look so much different because they not only tell great stories but they also just use groundbreaking technology to bring these stories to life and you know it's such intricate detail from their hands to the you know head movements to the way they walk there's just so much detail into this that i would love to just talk to somebody who works on pixar about these movies which hopefully i can line that up someday but I just think nothing has really touched the very first Toy Story, even though it was so early on in the technology that they've you know, been able to make everything look better. But I think when it comes to what a movie makes you feel, they haven't really completely matched the magic that was Toy Story 1. So I think that is just undeniably, without a doubt, the best Pixar movie of all time. And if you don't believe so, well, that's just my opinion. All right, but with all that to say... Got a full review of Luca coming up just after this, and then a review of another new Netflix movie called Fatherhood with Kevin Hart. So hang out for that.
0: I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
2: My best hopes, I guess,
1: identify the life that I want and and work towards it.
0: I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of.
1: And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Defect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: That's right. right. Right,
2: right, right.
3: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
4: All right, let's get into a couple movie reviews now. First up, let's talk about Luca, which is the brand new Disney movie available on Disney Plus. Not only that, they don't charge you that thirty bucks anymore for this one. It's just free if you already subscribe to it. If you haven't seen or heard about this movie yet, here's just a little bit of the trailer.
2: Have you ever gone to the human town? Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of an expert. But...
4: Someone got lucky today. Hmm? So, the spoiler free review of this the movie is about a kid named Luca who is a sea monster. He lives in the sea with his parents and his family. And he's getting very curious that he wants to go above the surface. But his parents, you know, kind of along those same lines of finding Nemo, they want him to stay at home, they don't want him venturing out. And then one day, he's kind of exploring, and he sees some things that, you know, some fishermen dropped from the surface, fell down. He gets curious about them, and he meets a friend. His friend takes him to the surface, and once they come out of the water, they find out that they changed from sea monsters to humans. And with his friend, Roberto, they go on an adventure in this town nearby, but unfortunately, this town has been hunting sea monsters and that's kind of their whole thing so they're having to disguise themselves while getting into some fun and overall trying to live out their mission above the sea So it's overall a story about friends and kind of accepting people for being different. And why I think this really kind of embodies everything a Pixar movie should be is one, the animation is amazing. I thought these characters look exactly what you want a Pixar character to look like. And they get into some really intricate details with the underwater stuff, which I think underwater animation just looks amazing. Like all the, I think that's why I love Finding Nemo so much because it's a world that we ourselves don't really get to discover or explore in any way. And when they kind of show those elements of this, I was full on in that. And then kind of blending that from going from under the water to above the surface to on land. I thought visually that was just a great kind of contrast between all the elements in this. And I think they got it all completely well. And it's also just very memorable characters. I think Luca and Alberto in this are just a really great team. And just knowing their friendship as kids, I think if I was watching this as a kid, I would really love that kind of aspect. And also along those same lines is it's kind of diverse here. It takes place in a city in Italy. And you get those kind of aspects of learning a little bit about a different culture. And it's just kind of refreshing to see it take place in somewhere different. And also why I think this is the perfect Pixar movie is because you kind of learn a little bit about, you know, life in this movie. And about why you shouldn't judge people and why you shouldn't be a bully. So I think it's a great message for kids to watch. But as an adult, you'll also like it as well. I feel like it's a big adventure with fun animation and really great characters so overall i would give this one four out of five sea monsters and the beauty of it is you don't have to pay any more extra to watch it on disney plus i just think it's one of the more novel things that pixar has done in a while so i really enjoyed it and speaking of things you can watch streaming right now i want to talk about the new kevin hart movie called fatherhood which is on netflix came out over father's day weekend which i'll explain how i feel about that first of all But if you haven't heard or seen this movie yet, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Excuse
2: me. She's been like crying for hours. Sorry, but
4: this is a group for new mothers. On that sign out there, it says parents. I'm a parent and I don't know what the hell I'm
2: doing. Girl's got some stuff flying out of ass. She can either hit you with a streamer or she'll buckshot you. It's a quick
4: whop. I need help. So again I'll keep this one spoiler free and this first thing may sound like a spoiler but it's not because it happens in the trailer also happens within the first five minutes of the movie and really what the whole thing is about but it's about a father played by Kevin Hart who has to bring up his daughter as a single father after his wife unexpectedly passes away during labor or like right after and you'll learn about their relationship. And how he kind of goes on to live and wants to take care of his daughter on his own while his kind of family is pressuring him to move back home to Minnesota so he can be around family and not have to do it all alone. But he really just wants to prove to himself that he can do it. He also kind of wants to honor his wife and really be the ultimate dad in this movie. And it's a bit of a departure I felt for Kevin Hart, who I like his stand up. I like his movies all right, but I feel like some of his comedies are just kind of so off the wall that you really don't know what you're going to get when you go to watch a Kevin Hart comedy. It could be great or it could be almost cringy and just a flop. But with this one, he really kind of played the lines of having a touch of humor, but also some a little bit more of a serious side of him. Like he shed some tears in this movie and it was believable, which was cool to see from Kevin Hart. And the comedy I would say in this is a lot more subtle. I almost felt like it was a Judd Apatow style movie, like Funny People or like This is 40. Kind of along those lines of comedy where it's not all full out jokes, but it's kind of the situations they're in and the way Kevin Hart just, just says things that makes it funny. So I think him himself is a really funny person. And while he's not going full out trying to be Kevin Hart, the funny stand-up guy in this, I think that's why it works so well. And it's also a movie that'll make you a little bit emotional, especially from that very opening scene and feeling that way. And I was watching it with my wife. I was like, man, like I could only imagine what it would be like to lose somebody in that instance and just be you and the child that you're going to try to you know raise now on your own. You had no idea that was going to happen, so I think just that element made it, I felt like something I hadn't seen in a while, but almost like a story that's kind of so simple to tell that I'm surprised somebody hasn't made a movie like this. I think my only issue with it is that it came out over Father's Day weekend, and I have this weird thing of like associating, you know, things to release around like this perfect time, and I feel like people now will associate this with like, oh, this came out over Father's Day weekend, we should watch it now but maybe like next weekend you might not want to watch it because you think you missed out on it. I think this movie could have had a bigger chance to be been a little bit more of a staple in his career than to come out now. Because I think it's such a kind of departure for him. It's really a great example of how serious of an actor he can be. And now he has kind of more layers and more of a range than you kind of expect from Kevin Hart that I think it's a little bit overshadowed that it came out as just a Father's Day movie. I think it's more than that. I think he did such a great job in this that... It kind of needs to be showcased a little bit more. But if you, you know, click your Netflix on right now, it will be that top movie. So I just hope more people watch this now and even like a week or two, you know, down the road from now. That's my only issue with it coming out right now that I just hope it doesn't deter people away from watching it later. Because I know I'm like that. I will not watch a movie that I feel like I missed the train on. I would also say a solid four out of five. Let's go diapers. But if you're looking for a good dramedy to watch, you know, a drama comedy, I would say just check out Fatherhood on Netflix. I'll get into a little bit of movie news here now. I saw this article come out this week that had me thinking. It was saying that experts think that the quality of movies is diminishing because of streaming. That basically that movies don't have to be as good right now because they're going to streaming services, people are watching them at homes, and the appeal of having... A movie to get people out to the theater is kind of going away. Therefore, just overall making the quality of films worse. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal, which I just don't think is true. I think the way we kind of take in movies now has changed. But I think the quality is still there. I think really what they kind of missed out on in this article is you experience a movie a little bit different at home, which I've kind of come to know from the past year and a half i haven't been into a movie theater so i don't think it's the quality of movies really being lessened i think the experience is a little bit less in watching them at home and i was one very early on like i love it i love watching movies at home and being able to click it and it's there but i find overall sometimes it's hard to keep that same attention at home movies i otherwise would have been completely entertained with and you know had no distractions in a movie theater. If I get a little bit, you know, it slows down just a little bit, I'll hop on my phone or I'll kind of get distracted a bit, doze off a little bit. I think really that kind of plays into a factor of movies not seeming like they're as great as Home. Also, I feel like we have so many choices to pick from at home that sometimes when you click something on within the first 20 minutes, you're wondering, should I be watching this? Should I be watching something else? Should I switch to a TV show? Should I, you know, pick a different movie? It's kind of the struggling with all the choices and feeling like you picked the right thing and you're investing your time, the two hours on it. I think that kind of takes into effect a little bit as well. But they also broke down that all the Netflix movies that have come out have the worst scores among critics on like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. And on the other hand, that Disney movies have the best ratings so far, but just overall the less amount of movies. And what they're trying to say is that Netflix is basically just relying that you pay for that subscription fee every single month. And after they get that, they're kind of good to put out whatever. And it's not so much about, you know, the ticket prices anymore. So I don't completely agree with that. And the thing I am kind of excited about is for my birthday coming up on Friday, I am going to the movie theater for the very first time in over a year and a half. The last movie I saw in theaters was March of 2020. And it was onward after that. I've seen everything at home. And I kind of wanted to make it a big deal. Not because I'm turning 30. I really don't like birthday parties at all. I don't like any kind of attention on me really whatsoever when it comes to things like parties. I'm very awkward at opening gifts in front of people. Overall, just having somebody there for me, I find that very awkward. I've never really had a birthday party ever. And I think that comes from me as a kid. Didn't have a whole lot of friends. Like I would have family over sometimes for like a barbecue. But when it came to like things that like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese... Or having, you know, a birthday cake out at, you know, the park or going to even like a movie as kids. Like, I didn't really have that. And I think that it was a combination of being married now and my wife kind of pressuring me to, you know, hey, you're turning 30. We should celebrate you a little bit. I was like, all right. I kind of want to do something very me. And I've been wanting to go back to the movie theater and the new Fast and the Furious 9 is coming out. And I was like, I think I have the perfect thing. Let's rent out a movie theater, which isn't as expensive as you think anymore, which I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. I was like, that'd be so cool to have an entire movie theater to yourself. And the only thing I've ever come close to is sometimes I go to watch a movie in the middle of the day when there's maybe one other or two other people there. And that's the closest I've got to. But I thought that would be a cool thing to do, to invite all my friends. As a thirty year old, it sounds kinda of funny. Hey, I'm having a birthday party in a movie theater, but it'll just be us in a theater watching The Fast and the Furious. That'll be my first time in a movie theater. I feel like that will kind of be a memorable experience, one worth the money, which I think right now movie theaters are still kind of struggling to get people back. Even me as a big a movie fan as I am, I still haven't been back. And I think for now, while you can, if you can look into it, you can still rent an entire movie theater for a pretty reasonable price, under 200 bucks. And if I would have had a birthday anyway, I probably would have spent, you know, money anyway. So I thought, why not do something that I've always wanted to do? That's why I did it. So next week, there will be a full review of the brand new Fast and the Furious movie. And it'll be one of the first movies I've actually gone to a theater to see in a very long time. So we'll see if my review changes at all. So that is the movie news and my personal news for this week. And before I hop out of here, i got to get my shout-out of the week, which I do every single week, shouting out one of you guys who listen every single week. And you tweet me, at MikeDistro. You send me a DM on Instagram or comment over on the Facebook page. Or send me an email at MovieMikeD at gmail.com. And this one actually comes to us from Twitter, from at Eastern, a.k.a. Steve. And he says... Every year, my wife, who hates scary movies, takes a spa day with her mom, and I use that time to binge horror films from the last year. What do you think I should watch that came out in the last 18 months or so at Mike distro? First of all, I love that you do this, Steve. Like, my wife, too, hates scary movies, and I think whenever I get a chance to watch something scary by myself, I want to pick the right one because I know I don't get to watch them very often, and I think there have been some great scary movies in the last year. So what I recommended to Steve and anybody else looking for horror movie recommendations that came out recently, at number one, I went with The Invisible Man that came out in 2020. A movie I thought was going to be a little bit cheesy. I thought it was going to be like Hollow Man essentially, but they actually were able to make this one very convincing and very scary. It's not only like a horror movie, but also like a psychological thriller. So I think that's a really great one to check out. Another one I loved was Hashtag Alive that came out also in 2020 on Netflix. I think the ultimate zombie movie, one of the best ones I've seen in a while. It is a Korean film, so there is some subtitles, but I think that takes nothing away from this movie. If anything, it kind of makes it more scary because you're paying a lot more attention to that. And then the third one I recommended was Midsummer, which actually came out in 2019, but I watched it within the last year. And if you haven't seen this one, I think it'll really rattle you. It's not overall a horror movie. It's just very disturbing and a movie I felt like I shouldn't be watching at the time because it was so weird and creepy and the images in this movie kind of stuck with me for probably the last few days after I watched it. So if you haven't seen that one, it's spelled like Midsommar, M-I-D-S-O-M-M-A-R if you're looking for that, but it's an A24 film. And I think you'll watch that movie and then question life after it or question whether going on a sketchy trip. So those are my three recommendations to Steve. I also asked him to follow up on that. So hopefully we'll get some reviews from Steve on whether or not he liked those movies. And let me know if you end up watching those or any of the movies I ever talk about on this podcast because I love that you guys listen and that sometimes take my recommendations. I hope I don't disappoint you in any way or lead you astray on any of my picks, but appreciate you guys for being subscribed to the podcast. Shout out to the Monday morning crew who listens on release day when these come out on Mondays. I see your tweets. I see your DMs. Appreciate you guys. And until next week, later. The Black Effect presents
0: Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie.